0: No matter if you're a card-carrying member of the Chikarmi like us, a casual fan of the fun-filled Lucha Super Show, or you have absolutely no idea what I'm talking about, welcome. This is Chikarmi. Hello, everybody. Thank you so much for joining us on the first episode of Chikography. My name is Dan. Uh, Before we go any further, I want to tell you a little story. So about a year ago, summer of 2019. Now, I don't get to go out to live wrestling shows nearly as much as I wish that I could anymore. I kind of live in the middle of nowhere. But I had just been to... Chicago for Chikara's Scotch Mist, their, one of their anniversary shows this year. The main event, Boomer Hatfield, Dasher Hatfield, this you know, year-long emotional story of father versus son, bad dad. It was great. I had such a great time. I had such a fun time, not only at the wrestling show, but just with my friends Josh and Matias, both of whom... Because we're all three internet nerds and we're all wrestling nerds, of course, met on the internet. Uh, Though not on Twitter, as is the fashion these days, but on a message board, because we are old. But so anyway, I'm thinking about Chikara. And I was also listening to a lot of a certain podcast called Through Their Years... Hosted by Trevor Dame and Matt Feuerstein, where they go show-by-show through Ring of Honor, an independent wrestling promotion, for those of you who don't know. I I assume that if you made it to this podcast, you vaguely know about wrestling, because, like, why else are you here? Um, I mean, you're welcome to stay. Please stay, if you have no idea what I'm talking about when I say Ring of Honor, pro wrestling, whatever. You might be a little lost... Now, I was never much of a Ring of Honor fan. I watched a little bit here and there, but I just, I loved listening to them go through the years, Ah, lol, that's why it's called that. Um, But as you might have been able to tell since I had just been at a Chikara show, and I'm looking forward to a whole weekend of Chikara shows, surprise, I'm a little bit of a Chikara fan. And not only do I love watching Chikara shows, I love being at the events, that atmosphere. I love being an ambassador for Chikara as well. Uh, you know, I once spent like a two and a half hour drive to Philly explaining Chikara storylines to a non wrestling fan. He was just a friend of mine who, you know, w- wanted to go to Philly with me. And I'm like, all right, hey, you want to go see. Uh, formerly evil evil but now lovably evil bug man who's covered in Christmas tattoos uh, go one-on-one with a Swiss banker turned rare artifact collector and they're like, well I have no idea what you just said but go on what's going on? So I spent two and a half hours explaining what was going on because that's the kind of place that Shakara is. You need hours and hours and hours sometimes to explain what the hell is going on not so much right away not in the beginning we'll get to that so i'm reminiscing scotch mist looking forward to king of trios listening to a lot of through the years and it hit me that oh, this would be a lot of fun to do for Chikara. So I reach out to Matthias and Josh, everybody's down, let's do it, let's get some recording done while we're, uh, we were staying together at an Airbnb for King of Trios, that is definitely a story for a different time. And then absolutely nothing happened, because, you know, things get busy. And I had a lot of reruns of Star Trek The Next Generation and Buffy the Vampire Slayer to watch. But now it is 2020. Everything is locked down. Actually, everything is starting to open up by the time I'm recording this too soon. So we might all die. And this might all be pointless. But life is pointless. So let's watch some Chikara. Some of you may still be wondering what Chikara is. And I guess it is about time that I let you in on this little secret. Chikara is an independent professional wrestling company based out of generally the Philadelphia-ish area. I realize that I keep saying independent professional wrestling company as if that means anything to anyone who isn't a weirdo. Um, Basically, that just means without the backing of a large corporation. As for Chikara more so than just a wrestling company it is also a wrestling school the wrestle factory the students from which go on to make up generally the majority of the roster of Chikara. now the wrestle factory was founded in january of 2002 the first one was in allentown pennsylvania in the back of a professional wrestling like hobby shop It was founded by Mike Quackenbush and Reckless Youth, two standouts on the Northeast independent wrestling scene. And so the event we're going to go through today was their first ever show. Uh, It's now known as the Renaissance Dawns. It was, I'm sure, not known as that at the time. Uh, Originally, Chikara was running weekly, uh, I think it was Friday, shows. In, starting in May of 2002, the shows were held in the Wrestle Factory. They held six shows during this first run, though only two have been released in full and can be found still streaming today. And so those are the two that we are going to be covering here, at least now. Maybe we'll go back and watch some of these lost shows, quote unquote, eventually. But I've talked way too much. I'm going to absolutely hate listening back to this. Josh, please, please, Josh, please, please put me out of my misery and tell the good folks at home a little about yourself.
1: Hey, I'm Josh. Uh, I am actually been a fan of uh, Chicara the shortest amount of time. Um, uh, Matthias and Dan actually basically got me to my first show, uh, the season 16 finale, uh, Temple of Doom and Supremacy. And that was my first exposure after a whole weekend of the two of them uh, monologuing to get me caught up on the storylines. And uh, I absolutely loved the show. If you remember it, it, it all ends up with the big um, cybernetico uh, with Dasher winning. And I have been all in ever since and trying to catch up. So... There's actually gaps in my knowledge, um, especially post-Deuces Wild up till when I first joined in, but I am excited to get going and watch through with y'all.
2: And I'm Matthias. I got into Chikara. Well, I'd known of Chikara for, God, it's 2020 now, so probably like 16, 17 years. I remember going on the website and seeing those old, old like, cartoony doodles of, uh, Icarus and DJ Skittles and <laughs> being kind of puzzled by this wrestling promotion with like these really over the top characters. Um, I ended up watching King of Trios 2008 and uh, really being blown away by what I'd seen. Um, and so I just got really into it from there. Uh, Deuce's Wild actually happens to be The first Chikara show I ordered from Smart Mark Video, and I think I probably bought, like, a car's worth of Chikara DVDs after the fact. Um, And then my first live show was, uh, oh, I'm from Seattle, by the way, so uh, kind of harder to get out to live shows. But my first live show was uh, King of Trios 2011, which is a
0: pretty good one to start with, I think. Uh, yeah, you only you only started with like the most amazing trio's weekend of all time. <laughs> uh
2: yeah, you know, uh, I was I mean, who who can say no to the appeal of Team Australia? Uh Tom Williams, Percy T, the Monster Cable. Oh god, I could not have named any of those people. <laughs> yeah. Uh Uh so yeah, and uh I'm really excited to watch or rewatch a lot of the these shows some of these for the first time uh and so dan like what would you say the overall format of this podcast is going to be
0: oh yeah so because all of us are sort of at different stages in our you know our Chikara fandom like matthias you've actually i think you've been a fan a little bit longer than i have because yeah. i remember really getting drawn in during um Oh, what was it? Three Fisted Tails was when like everything came together with the BDK angle. Yeah. So it was like during that year uh, leading up to that is really when I started first. You know, I kind of knew about Chikara beforehand, um, but that's when I really started paying attention. So I really from uh, before that point, I haven't watched a huge amount of Chikara. I've watched quite a bit. I used to whenever Smart Mark video would do those like 25 percent off sales i would try to buy like six months worth of chakara dvds right yeah no yeah um, so i was trying to build my collection from the start
2: yeah i was basically buying like two months at a time something like that like every time i I think i probably had like a good two or three year streak just like waiting for the sale to drop and then if it was like I, th- I think occasionally, I think it was usually like 25% off. Sometimes they'd really go nuts and make it like 30. And if it was 30, I'd get
0: like an extra,
2: extra month. Uh, yeah.
0: Uh, but yeah, so then I haven't gone through a lot of the older stuff as well. And yeah. I, I, because my first show was, um, I, I, being from Baltimore, I was able to go to a couple more live shows. I was actually counting it before uh, we started. Recording here. I think I'm at like 30 live Chakara shows at this point. Yeah. Nice. Which, ugh, we're also recording this during 2020, as Matthias yeah. said. Yeah. So right. Who knows? That might be the end of <laughs> Remember <laughs> the, the <line> <laughs> Yeah. The All end right. of
1: the world? I don't know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I-, I-, I think did- I did
0: send like, Do you- hey, do you want to try doing this during the apocalypse? Yeah. It's I think cool. hypothetically we
2: could be talking about like the upcoming Cybernetico twenty twenty for like twenty episodes. Like, oh yeah, no Cybernetico yeah. Crucible versus the Russell Factory. That's
0: that's Cybernetico twenty twenty
1: coming March twenty
0: twenty two.
1: Yeah. <laughs> oh, I just got real sad. <laughs> well, we should point out. I mean, you two pointed out that you're from Seattle and you were originally from Baltimore and you had been in, I think, Florida, and now you're in. Was it Minneapolis or near there?
0: Uh, close enough. That's oh. the only place that matters in Minnesota.
1: Sure enough. Um, I am in Chicago, and we've all been internet friends, as many, um, Chikara people are, uh, over the years, and you came here for, uh, that season 16 finale, that's how I got mm-hmm. involved. And, um, as a result of all that, I've actually been going back through over the years since then, through a historic watch through to catch myself up on all of the lore. Yeah. Um, but that did kind of stall out. So it's kind of the perfect timing for me to go back to the very beginning of all of this and catch up uh, even with other people. So we can pick up on all those little things we all may have missed.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I think it's so interesting that like you're the newest fan, but also you might have the most experience or knowledge with these early years here, just because you were doing that watch through more recently. Yeah. So,
2: well, for, for me, I watched some, I'd watched basically all the stuff that Smart Mark Video had put out prior to the Renaissance Dawns. Uh, so, the Renaissance Dawns was not originally released as a full show. That's the show we're going to be covering today, by the way. Uh, so, it hadn't been released as a full show. Uh, Smart Mark Video had put out like a best of 2002 uh, DVD. So, literally just the main event from this show I had seen before. And then I'd seen some other like stuff sprinkled throughout the year. Um, for the purposes of this watch through we're only watching the shows that are available on Chakaratopia and or uh, independentwrestling.tv because you shouldn't need to pick up like a $25 DVD uh of of like you know five matches from 2003
0: right to uh, follow along uh but so I, I, I even I, though I do really want to see the LA Park match yeah. in Jakarta in 2002 uh it's
2: wild that that's You know i think it's kind of crazy that like that stuff is still sort of out there floating in the ether uh we might talk about a little bit like some of the stated reasons or implied reasons that uh, are given during the commentary of a renaissance dawns later but man there is some fascinating stuff uh, in the intervening period between these first two shows and then uh anniversario three in 2004 um, that we might do some sort of like digest thing covering at some point, but like uh, we we won't that, but it's still just out there. It's still uh, not been seen. you know, maybe maybe right. six months into quarantine when everyone's sort of desperately fishing for content, maybe we'll get all that uh, all those like Melvin Snodgrass matches then. but yes. uh, not yet.
0: Just like they released that what WRP. Yes, the Jeff Pat's thing. If Wrestling Revolution
2: Project can come out, I'm just saying we can see the DJ Skittles Blind Rage like winner pixel the losers theme match Please. on a streaming platform.
0: Yes, get well, on that jerry.tv. TV.
1: With that, we probably could just jump right into this show and start talking about um, how it's presented and then what the content is. Yeah. Um, I so as as Matias pointed out, it happened in 2002 there wasn't a full release of it until i believe it's 2010
2: yes and no. i i know what happened there actually is okay um Please on shikara i think it would have been Shakara 101 by this point i think Shikara 101 had just started uh there was someone the at fan closed- forums yes right yeah, remember, remember discussion forums, remember message boards. Uh, the someone had posted a topic like, "Hey, why aren't all of these old shows like available? Why like are were they recorded?" Um, and then there was a response from like the Chikara office account or something like that. I think basically saying, "Hey, if people are interested, yeah, we could do we could put out like the first two shows on a DVD and like do new commentary over them, and like if there are a ton of buys, maybe we'll keep going with that." uh so that's how the Renaissance dawns with its sort of like unique presentation of Quack and bryce uh in twenty ten sort of talking over the matches and like doing commentary, but more more talking about the historical context of these matches right you know, where the some of the more obscure chichakara fans' names are now or then where then uh, that's how it's that came very about. much.
1: It's very much like the commentary you would get on a DVD of a film later on. Yes, when they're talking about, oh, here's an interesting point of fact about this particular wrestler, or even this fan in the crowd, or this part of the ring. It's right. not play by play or um, uh, you know analysis. Right. It's very much about here's this piece of history and yeah. here's what we can tell you about it.
0: Um, it's so very yeah. nostalgic n- n- commentary.
1: Right. Yes. We should jump into what uh, how it gets going.
0: Well.
2: Uh, w- a word before that, actually, I think is kind of in a broader sense. The, I think it. I, I think the uh presentation is kind of interesting to talk about even before the first match, sure. In that like I think it's really interesting to see this show, you know. 2002 is such a huge year for wrestling in general, I think it's probably one of the most important years for pro wrestling, uh, of the current millennium, you know. You see, you know, WWF becomes WWE uh, and at the same time, a bunch of important promotions start all around the same time uh, that are still going today. Jakara is obviously one of them, you know, TNA and uh, ring of honor also start in 2002. And I think the one thing those three companies sort of share is that like their first shows or first couple of shows are so dramatically different from the wrestling promotions that they will eventually become. Yes. and there's like a lot of these i yeah. these like sort of just crazy segments or like weird presentation like in terms of like crazy like Chikara has nothing on how weird those uh, T and like sometimes completely out of character seeming those TNA and uh, ROH shows get, but you know it's 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 really interesting to me uh, just like the overall I mean the, the, the makeup of the crowd is so completely different like oh yes
1: yeah uh, i'm sure
0: we'll get to we'll that
2: we'll get to that a lot um and the way it presents itself too is like very much you know the promotions that mike quackenbush usually seems to emulate point, yeah emulate like michinoku pro <laughs> above all else uh you know and like also sort of osaka pro it, there's there's very much like i think you can see here in this show um and the way sort of Chikara presents itself here it's very, very directly like American image, Pro, Pro more than like, it will be, uh, a few years down the line. Once it really starts getting like lore heavy, uh, here, it's very much like it's the it's, it's students a couple of freelancers and then like the big stars in the main event. Right. And I think exactly. It's, yeah. And I think, uh, it's, really, really interesting seeing that now. You know, when we talk about we talk about, like, recommending Chikara to newer fans, when, like, someone, you know, posts somewhere, like, hey, I'm thinking about getting into Chikara, where should I start? You know, no one ever recommends, like, no one who knows Chikara ever, like, says, hey, go back to the very first show. No. No, because it's so, it doesn't even begin to resemble what like, what it is now, but, like, it's such a, like, this is a really fascinating show to watch, and, and, frankly, I had a, aside from certain, like, milliseconds here and there, certain, like, sentences, uh, I had a really good time watching the show.
1: Yeah, and it's interesting you bring up, actually, its context and the overall world of wrestling and that time period, because not only do you post WCW and ECW, you're post Invasion and really WWE becoming the monopoly that it is. Mm-hmm. Um, and therefore that's kind of formed what wrestling fans tend to be like on average and uh, who is showing up to this Allentown, Pennsylvania back room. Yeah. Um, and then what the then atmosphere of the show is, which is so different than what you get in the wrestle factory today or yeah. out on the road in Chicago or North Carolina or wherever. Yeah.
2: Um, I think here, as well as as well as that, like first uh, Ring of Honor show, especially like a thing that they share in common is that you're sort of seeing the like aftermath of ECW disappearing. Like you're seeing, you know, literally one of the most famous ECW fans is in the audience for this Chicago yes. show. Uh, Boy, if he ever, <laughs> yeah, yeah, he's 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 right there. Uh, and it's like that. That's sort of like. I guess around this time period yeah there's there's sort of wWE is this monopoly and there is this vacuum below it that will that will shortly be filled like over the course of this year and the year after be, will, will be filled but like you're sort of seeing uh I mean for all I know that ECw fan could he could still it, it's it's the straw hat guy I should just like I shouldn't like voldemort him like oh
1: yeah he.
2: Uh, <laughs>
0: The fan yeah. who must not be named. Yeah,
2: no, it's it's Straw Hat guy from ECW. Uh, I don't know his real name, but he's the straw like he wears a straw hat and a Hawaiian shirt. Uh and for all I know, that dude could still be going to shows now and just not be wearing those things. But like I don't know how many shows that guy is actually at, but like the idea of him like being at a Jakara show, like
1: and day- doing the things he was doing then.
2: <laughs> uh so you're very much sort of, like, seeing people, like, at this show who you probably wouldn't see down the line.
1: Right. And I think, it, if I may, this is probably a good point, just because I know that uh, for a large part of the Chikara fandom, or at least what who I encounter online and on Twitter, it, it's worth putting a brief content warning on this show. Um, that it Just because they were starting wherever they could. Bringing in who, whatever fans they could, yeah. And so you end up with uh, a less family-friendly environment, not by design, but yeah. uh, some of the things you'll hear the fans say. There's some, let's say, you know, transphobic type type of things, and probably <laughs> other, other sort of things thing, I didn't catch.
2: Yeah, at least one thing you'll hear a wrestler say as well, uh, regrettably. <laughs> uh,
0: but yeah, but I, I also yeah. think that's such a like a testament to like what I love about Chikara, in yeah. that they've built this fan base over the past. Right. Like God, what? 18 something Eight, years. Right. Years. Yeah. Uh, since the show where uh, swear jar, notwithstanding, uh, <laughs> okay. generally the shows are pretty, you know, family yeah. friendly. They're all yeah. right. great. So it was a little different seeing it here.
2: Yeah. yeah. Like one of the questions I would love to like, maybe have an answer to is like, How serious was that being taken? Was there like a disclaimer before the
0: show? uh, Or was it just sort of like... I'm curious when that started. When they started doing that sort of thing.
1: I gather there was at least a locker room talk about it. Maybe. Um, You can hear... I feel like you can hear it in the way CM Punk talks. um, That he's maybe using some replacement terms. But for the fans, I don't think anything was said.
2: Anyway, yes. I just
1: wanted to get that out there as like, just so you know, if you go back to watch this, be prepared for that difference yeah. among the theaters.
0: Yeah. Sweet. So should we just get going with our first match of the night? Absolutely. Yeah. All right. And before that, I just wanted to point out how cute Bryce looks in his dad's tux, which his... I had written down like a jokingly as in my notes, like, oh, Bryce and his dad's tux. Ha ha ha. And then the commentary confirmed. Oh, yes. No, that is his dad's tux. It literally tux. is
1: and it doesn't like a day's well. notice it's very yeah. baggy on him
0: yeah. yes <laughs> oh that's part of it just going back and seeing these people like 20 years ago like wow now he's mm-hmm. one of the big uh referees for aew like yeah. oh so proud of them so proud of my chikara boys uh but yeah so the first match we have mr zero versus dragonfly and we have the disturbing mask yeah. of Mr. Zero.
2: I was so glad to get context for that mask. I've, you know, you've seen, if you've been around Jakara for like a long time online, you've probably seen a photo of that original Mr. Zero mask. Uh, and it is horrifying. There's like a real
0: sadness in his eyes in that mask, <laughs> I think. Like, I, I,
2: I, I thought it was like, I think, I think in my head, what I contextualize, it was like, oh, so he must have been like a very like serious or like despicable Rudo at the time. So like he had this like deliberately ugly mask, like to make you hate him. Uh, nope. And then no, no, it just turns out that his, like his normal mask hadn't like arrived in the mail yet. So they like went to like a party city and just did the best they could uh, for something that screamed like a middle-aged business
0: manager.
1: It is. It, it does feel like it is the prototype. It's not that far off of what they intend to do later. Yeah,
0: yeah. They said it was just from a party store, and yes. I'm
1: like,
0: ah, i like, It looks quite a bit like what ends up uh, being just with like you know uh, a more realistic skin tone.
2: Oh, entirely yeah. too realistic. Like yes,
1: and it's uncanny and
0: like... valley realistic. Yeah.
1: and it's like taped to his shirt with a tie yeah. made of something else. I don't it. It looks very, as you said, disturbing. As though, you know, you'd see him pop up in the background outside a window and you'd want to run. Yes.
0: (laughs) He is an 80s
2: slasher villain. Yeah. But, like, on the other hand, like, he's also definitely the most fully realized character of the original students at this point in time. Oh, yeah. Like, they talk about on Commentary Quack and Bryce how, like, this was really the first Chikara character to, like, Catch eyes out uh, like around the Indies, and like of course, like just like the visual of him doing a camel clutch with like the Financial Times in his hand is just it's brilliant, and it's very much sort of like the kind of gimmick you'd expect to see like on the like undercar, like like the first couple matches of say a Michinoku Pro or Osaka Pro show, like the it's it, it's it's great.
1: It really fits yeah. the mold of what Quack has talked about over the years of things mm-hmm. like greedy moon baron or these very um descriptive but brief terms for these um, very over-the-top characters you without being told it you would know that zero mr zero i should say is the middle-aged business tyrant
2: right yeah let's not let's not get it confused zero is his son mr zero
1: is his dad <laughs> yes but he is he's very clear and it's 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 exciting to watch even in that first match
0: yeah, and also Dragonfly looked pretty fun too. Dragonfly um, so this is yeah. Yeah, as this is uh there're f- just to catch anyone up who doesn't know there are five trainees in that first class at the yeah. wrestle factory. And so this is the debut for all five of them. Mm-hmm. So we have Mister Zero and Dragonfly in this match. Is there much that you wanted to say about the match itself?
2: It's fine. It's it's like it's for for two guys having their first match, like I I had a good time with it. Like Dragonfly is yeah. such an interesting wrestler in the sense that, like, so in the in the broader like sense of Chikara history, like Dragonfly comes back uh, from time to time, and he always comes back as like, hey, here's Chikara original Dragonfly, here's like the lost member of Gen One, like he wasn't around long enough to really get past the basic character prototype. Um, and every time he comes back, he always looks good. And it's like kind of crazy seeing him and like, oh yeah, no, he was just like, he was just this solid a wrestler from the start. Yeah. Uh, he's got, and he's got such a, like, he's, he's got like such a good, like character prototype. Like his gear is great. I love the little Chikara logos, just sort of like hidden all over his gear. There's like one on his mask. There's one on like his like shoulder, like his shoulder blade, like shoulder plates or whatever.
1: He really put a lot of uh, effort into his gear and really had come through training, uh, showing off a lot. And yet you hear uh, from the commentary on this Mm -hmm. from both Bryce and Quack, you know, how much it ended up being for not much of a career in the end. Yeah. But he he looks great here.
0: Yeah, I was really impressed with him here because I haven't seen too much of his stuff. I, I know he comes back a couple of times, but, you know, the little nostalgia Matches where everyone looks good in those, but yeah. oh yeah, and then so Mister Zero, yeah. I'm gonna mess that up at some point. <laughs> uh Wins in eleven twenty nine. It was kind of hard to hear the announcer, but I was trying to write down the times. Oh, okay, uh with the last shaven unicorn drop, the first appearance of that move,
2: and one of the all time great uh, Chikara finisher names.
0: Yes, a hundred percent. And how would you describe that, Matthias? Oh, don't make me describe a move. Oh, my
2: God. <laughs> it's, it, it looked kind I mean, like, literally, I'm terrible at, like, describing what moves look like. Um, you know, zero zero. the Sun uh, does it now as a finisher, too. It's kind of like a, it kind of reminds me of, like, a blue thunder bomb, except he's slamming the dude on his face.
0: Yeah, I was trying to work out, like, I'm also awful with, like, moves and stuff. I was like, what exactly is that hold? Listener, if you know, tell us. <laughs> I, I, well, I know what the hold is—the last shaven
2: unicorn drop.
0: Okay, fair, 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 fair. Uh, let's see. Yeah, but there was like Dragonfly had a nice victory roll and like a nice tilt a whirl DDT. Yeah. It's good stuff. Yeah, good stuff for that first match. I mean, a lot of these early matches were just you know good little showcases, yeah. and then you get into the real meat and potatoes of that main event. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, the the whole show honestly is just here are these people meet them decide if you like them or not.
0: Yeah. So, should we move on to yeah. one of the greatest promos of all time?
1: <laughs> oh
2: my god. Yes.
0: Shall yes. we order at the Butt Kick
2: Cafe? Yeah. Do you we'll, we'll get to that. We'll get to the Butt Kick Cafe. Uh but yeah, please please set the scene for this promo.
0: <laughs> oh god. Uh so As I said earlier, I'm from Baltimore. I'm living in Minnesota right now. So I feel like I am uniquely qualified to talk about the war that ravaged between the the East Coast and Midwest. Because apparently there's a huge rivalry there. Quack comes out and, uh, you know, he's thanking everyone. He turns his attention to his opponents. When Punk comes out and he has a bit of a temper tantrum, uh, the fans aren't showing him enough respect. And then Punk says that the GPAs are lower out on the East Coast. The the women are a little, well, a lot uglier. Uh, he mentioned that one fan's butt in particular is weighing down the entire East Coast. I believe that was Straw Hat guy. The was well, it? Guy? Yeah, yeah. Ugh, uh, man, and-
2: straw Hat guy has a comeback that we will not. We will not. Uh, transcribe or we will not like no. share uh with the class Correct. or his podcast he has a comeback he says something in response
0: that's all i'll say <laughs> oh yeah and then punk offers a handshake of friendship And then quack is attacked by those dastardly rudos hero and cult uh bts the black t-shirt squad comes out and runs everyone off uh I think hero accidentally tripped punk at some point too during all this, <laughs> do you remember that they might have noticed that
1: they, they it happened they, from the corner outside the ring, yeah, right.
2: they did a bunch of they, they did a, do a bit of like here and there like oh the we're the bad guys and we're clumsy we're we're you know toppling around uh
0: so that might have been that might have been a little bit of like
2: pantomime,
0: yeah which was one of my favorite spots in the main event where Colt like goes over and crotches himself, but we'll get to that, uh yeah, so. Then we have Don Montoya come out, uh, gets on the mic. He talks about sports. Yes. Uh, I don't know sports, but this it was wasn't so... Philly sports, right? No,
2: that was great. I loved it because he was like, oh yeah, you know, you talk about how much better, how much better the Midwest is uh, than the East Coast, but I seem to recall that in the Super Bowl this year, <laughs> a, a little team a, 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 a called... Mid- yeah, a Midwest, the, the, uh, the Midwest team of the St. Louis Rams uh none of them, of course, are from or living in St. Louis uh, of the, the gold bond mafia uh, got beat by the New England Patriots uh,
0: crickets. <laughs>
2: well, yeah, I don't think that really got the response. Like, I, you know, I don't think it really got like a big response from the crowd. But like, so it's, it's 2002. So I also I don't know. I'm football. football I, I don't really know football. I I think that was before the New England Patriots were like the grim inevitability that they were. This was,
1: this was the beginning of that. That hadn't, it's right. just about to be established.
2: So it's, it's possible that like, yeah, maybe that wouldn't, that wouldn't like get like a round of groans yet. Whereas like, I think maybe now that would probably just get, get a little more of that, but it's still sort of like, it's like when you're writing an essay and it's like 4 a.m., and you're really struggling with supporting arguments and you just yes. need to pull something out, like that's sort of what the Super Bowl thing felt like to me.
1: Yeah, the whole thing uh clearly is just they decide how do we paint this as Rudos versus Technicos? Yeah. And we decide it's East Coast versus West Coast no, Get West. to hear figure it out. East Coast versus Midwest, sorry, yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah, no, East Coast, East Coast versus West Coast would make sense. That's a real, well, that's a, and, like, I, I think. a feud, people have died over that. Yeah,
1: I mean, I guess there,
2: there is sort of the, like, you know, these are these two very, like, fertile, independent wrestling scenes around that period of time. This is the first time, like, Punk and Cabana or wrestling in Pennsylvania, but, you know, like, IWA Mid-South around that time, like, all of those guys, like, those three guys are having these, like, 90-minute matches against each other eddie Guerrero is appearing in iwa mid-south so like i sort of get i sort of get the like bragging rights thing like between the two scenes
1: but yeah i mean it wasn't as much cross-pollination then i believe too yeah. exactly yeah
0: the, the independence back then were a lot more territorial basically yeah. you know before everything had a streaming service yeah you know like these these shows were hard to find it was right. a lot easier to you know you get your Uh, East Coast, your tri state area people, you know, the uh, indies out on the West Coast with like Chris Daniels and Super Dragon and all that. And then it was a huge deal when, say, CZW or someone brought in a bunch of, you know, West Coast guys. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I get it, but it was just silly listening to it. Like, oh, this evil, evil East Coasters, these West Coasters, like, whatever. Yeah. Midwesters. See, even I screwed it up. But all of this, yeah, go ahead.
1: Well, it clearly is just, um, these are fans who do not know who we are, because how could they? Um, we've got to give them a reason to decide, to realize who is to be cheered, who is to be booed. Let's go for the Wrestling 101 playbook. Your town is not as good as my town. Yeah. Or in this case, your general region is not as good as my general region. Um, and, and on top of that, you could have Punk intentionally kind of tripping through some stuff, yeah. playing the fool a little bit. It is it is pantomime in the end.
2: Yeah. And I think, I think people knew who those three guys were specifically because I think the reason why this crowd, I think they even acknowledge it, like, during the main event. But, like, the reason why this is one of the two Chikara shows uh, from this period of time with the highest attendance is because of this main event. Because this is sort of like, like, if you were to do, like, a state of the indies, like, VHS compil, or like, I'm saying VHS compilation as if, like, at the end of the year, like someone had put together a like list of like the big important matches. Like this match could make it on because of what like, it's like significance of, you know, these like highly talked about guys from the Midwest coming to, you know, Philly or like Pennsylvania for the first time. But yeah, no, it's definitely like they're, they're trying to avoid it just being a match. They want it to have some stakes. Uh And I think, As much as we can talk about all of that, I think what's really important is when Quack gets at the mic at the end. Uh, Yes. Because after all of this, after all the sort of like standard, like tough talk, like everyone, everyone, no one is cursing. A couple of, a couple of like comments that skirt the line may have happened, but it's time for Mike Quack and Bush to get the mic. Um, Dan, I know you transcribed his line word for word. I believe I also did. Josh, did you like, Write down these.
1: No. no, I was going for broad strokes. Go ahead.
2: Okay, uh, Dan, do you want to or should I?
0: Boys, it may look like the Chakara Ring to you now, but when the six of us are in here, it will be transformed into the Butt Kick Cafe, and punks, we're feeding you the all-you-can-eat special. Michael Quackenbush.
1: 2002
2: oh is that see i thought i had heard the on your knees special and i was very confused <laughs> oh that is no, very different.
1: no 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 that is very very different No, was all you can eat
2: <laughs> okay yeah that makes more sense uh yeah i i love quack getting the mic back and like it, it, it's such it's such a quack thing to say it's so good it's
0: so pure like yeah, and reckless youth is in the ring and, and so is on will tell you and but reckless just looks so giddy yeah while quack is saying this and quack is so into it he's like pointing up in the air oh it was so beautiful
2: and the crowd pops it. for it the crowd is like yeah <laughs> It's great. It's it's so like like that's like one of those moments where you like you see where Jakara is going in that like when Quack gets the mic to deliver some like tough talk where like everything else is kind of like sort of standard indie wrestling like you know we're like, like like uh you know I'm I'm insulting your women I'm insulting uh I'm insulting your local sports team you know
0: we're great My wrestlers city can beat up your city. Yeah.
2: Or you know we're great wrestlers and we're gonna you know travel from town to town and like we're doing this because we love the business. Like Quack gets the mic and and it's the Butt Kick Cafe. Uh, I I I adore it. I think yes. it's I think it's so good and it's like the kind of thing that like hearing like, like it, it it's just it, it's just very much like it's like one of those those bits on the show where I'm like oh yeah yeah like this is like these are sort of the formative like moments on the show that like really speak to where jakara is going to end up
0: i don't think it's burying the lead to say that this show might be worth it for the main event and for that line alone (laughs) yeah
2: well yeah we'll we'll get to we'll get to the other thing i really love from the show a little later uh but yeah, anyway, we're on to the next match, I believe.
0: Yeah, because that, that whole segment lasted about 10 minutes. and yeah. But that was the, the climax, yeah. very much uh, the butt kick cafe. So then we move on to two more of that first class of Wrestle Factory graduates making their debut. We have the dark minion of the underworld, Hollow Wicked, yeah. and an evil zombie fresh from the grave, <laughs> Ichabod <laughs> Slain. Yes. Taking on beauty and the beast of love bug and martial law. Uh, one,
2: thing I wanted to, one thing I wanted to point out that I forgot about is that, you know, in that promo, the only guy wearing a black t shirt on the black t shirt squad was Reckless Youth. Was it Reckless Youth? Yes.
0: Yes. I actually wrote I no, down. No, it was
2: Don Montoya. Of... Sorry, it's Don Montoya. Props to Don yes. Montoya. Yes. Uh, Don Montoya wears a black. Sh- Black t-shirt. Quacks wearing like a white t-shirt, and uh, reckless is wearing a blue t-shirt.
0: So in fact, at, at the beginning, I think one of the one person in the crowd, I'm not sure yeah. who, was like, "Why are you in a white t-shirt, dog?" Yeah. Um, so it was so good. They I get, it. They, it get the, their, they, they get
2: their they get their act together by the main event. But you know who's you know who's like down down for the black t-shirt aesthetic right from the jump. It's the night shift.
0: Yeah. Yes. Also, that early 2000s pleather. Yeah. Um, it's
2: so weird seeing how in like an actual shirt, like as a ring gear, like they sort of acknowledge that over the course of the year, he starts cutting bits out of it, but like seeing him come out in a t-shirt is like one of the most surreal, uh, parts of this in terms of like what I know these wrestlers for versus where they're at at the very start. And it's such a okay. minor thing.
0: I, yeah, I, I like that. The weird thing to you is Hollow Wicked not having some cuts in his shirt. Yeah. And not Ichabod Slain, an evil zombie fresh from the grave. <laughs>
2: <laughs> well, the uh, weird part is there. It's completely
0: different in 2020, we'll say. The
2: weird part there is, and they, they acknowledge this, is that I've seen photos of Ichabod Slain before. You know, Icarus has brought that mask back once or twice for like nostalgia matches. Like he'll, or like the the Chicara versus BDK, Cibernetico, he like comes out with the mask on and then takes it off. Like what I associate that mask with is having the top cut out. So his hair is like, like not like Spilling underneath.
0: over. Yeah. yeah.
2: Here he hasn't done that yet. So you can just like, there's no covering up Icarus's hair unless he's lost it in, an um, Apuesta's match. So here it's just like, it's just shooting out from like the bottom, like, like just coming out of the mask, uh, you know refusing to be constrained
1: and meanwhile you have beauty and the beast who i didn't even catch that with her tag name i caught their individual names and was taken with their pink satin shirts yes
0: i was so sad when they didn't wrestle in them yeah just took them off right away oh i was excited for that i did really like their their uh outfits coming out i loved
2: love bug like having like Tear away pants to reveal like yes. boxers and then like just like leggings underneath it.
0: But I was so sad for him too because the the camera was at such a weird angle for yeah. the show. It was like over the hard cam was like over a turnbuckle. Oh, and his uh, partner Marshall Love or Marshall Law, sorry, was blocking when he did the tearaway pants. I was <laughs> like, oh, you were so excited to tear your pants yeah. off and. Also, oh, they come got to out see. to
2: "They Come Out to Smooth Criminal" by Alien Ant Farm, which is very. It was two thousand and two.
1: Yes,
0: there are some bops on this. Uh, oh,
1: yeah, oh, there absolutely yeah. is. I should point out, or we should point out that these two also outside of the main event. It, I suppose, they're about the most established wrestlers on the show.
0: Uh, so these two and Blind Rage, yes, yeah. Oh, and, uh, well, Kid Cruel also was... Uh, oh, true. Right. Yeah. He was, who had been in
1: the WWE developmental uh,
2: he, he, he got there after this. Like, I think, well, we'll get to that match, but, like, he's sure, sure. someone who, when I heard his actual, like, normal name, I was like, oh, him.
1: But, yeah, these two, um, they clearly I, they, although they're not necessarily in the full Chikara mold to me, yeah. they clearly who they know, know who they are as characters. Um, and so they're ready to go, and the fans, I think, are a little more familiar with them.
0: Yeah, were they saying on commentary that they, uh, I think, they were definitely Allentown locals. Yes. Uh, um, I think so. Yeah, well, the crowd probably knew them pretty well,
2: and they had, I think, I think, I think, what they had said is that like that facility had been previously used by the Bad Crew as their training school. Uh, before it became Chikara's training school, and I think right. I think Love Bug and Martial Law were trainees of.
0: Uh, I think Blind Rage as well. Yeah, right? of of the
2: of the Bad Crew. Who, you know, if you've watched a lot of ECW, you've probably seen them a couple of times. Um, yeah.
0: So the the match itself was fun. Yeah. Uh, I, honestly, it it was harder to pay attention to some of these matches with the commentary going over it, where yeah. there's just a lot of good nostalgia <laughs> they're talking about, uh, and I don't want to go through like all of it, because you should go and watch these shows, obviously, right. on Topia or IWTV. But I did really enjoy learning that Hollow Wicked and Icarus were, had some nicknames around the Chikara Wrestle Factory. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Of course, uh, also a sign of the times. They were Beavis and Butthead. Yeah. I think I had heard the
2: name, like, the Burning Beavis, like, as a move name before. That's, like, what their uh, finisher name was, like, informally called. And I think I had heard like a joke or two on commentary about that move name. Uh, so it was nice getting the context for that. At one point, I wish I could remember exactly what the move was, but Lovebug, Lovebug does some really cool moves during this match. He does an Osaka. Yeah, I was impressed. Um, at one point, they do a thing that looks like... I, I can't remember exactly what it was like, but it's like he fireman did like a fireman's carry onto one of uh, Ichabod or Hollow Wicked. Um, somehow, like that led to like them landing on their feet and then bouncing into the corner. I and mean, then I think martial law like came in and trucked them in the corner. And I thought that was a really cool move that someone should absolutely lift because I, I was very surprised by that.
1: Actually, the, the finish of it is actually pretty good too. Um, love bug with a king crab, as I learned, I wouldn't have known otherwise, uh, on Ichabod. Um, it's a really good looking submission. Yeah.
2: And uh, it's important to note here that it, that uh, the night shift lose this match. Like the only one of the Gen One original trainees who wins a match on this show is the one who's wrestling another one. Like Mister Zero beats Dragonfly because they're at the same experience level. Everyone else loses. uh Everyone else loses their match of the trainees, and I think that's kind of significant in terms of like that more Japanese approach of like we're not going to be pushing our trainees like you're seeing them we're showcasing them but like the veterans are going to be winning these matches early on so it's going to there's be a hierarchy yeah there's there's a journey that
0: these that
2: these newer wrestlers have to
0: go through yeah so i think do we want to talk any more about that match before we move on i'm too or excited for the next one <laughs> <laughs> yeah all yes. right well then josh i'm going to let you start off with the next one
1: all right kid cruel or cruel versus zane madrox who yes. I know we're all excited to talk about. Um, yes, Kid Cruel comes out looking like, already looking like, right out of the WWE uh, prototype mold. Um, dude was jacked. Dude. He was. And he's just jaw jacking the crowd. He's got the black trunks. He's your clear heel. And out comes... Well, Wait, one second. Can Go we ahead. talk about okay.
2: Kid Cruel's entrance music? <laughs> Which is... It's Cashmere by Led Zeppelin, but I think the CD was skipping or something. So what happens is you get like the first twenty seconds or the first thirty seconds of Cashmere, and then it stops, and then it starts again. So it just—it's like a loop of the. start of this eight minute long led zeppelin song and the cut
0: kind of, like the preview version of the song yeah like, like the yeah like the, the
2: amazon the amazon like mp3s like 30 second preview of cashmere and my thought was someone should do this bit for real like someone's actual theme song should be like a song, like like the start of a song that you know really well, and you just start getting frustrated by the fact that you're never hearing more than this like short snippet of this song. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's wild, and like they don't acknowledge it. Like you know, later on there will be like some famous like issues or like like, like mishaps with entrance music in Shikara shows.
0: Yeah,
2: uh, but like here, it's just happening in the background, and it's so funny. But anyway, Zane Madrox. I think we're all ready for Zane Madrox. Yeah. Yes. Josh,
0: please tell the world about Zane Madrox.
1: Well, here's how my impression went when I see Zane Madrox. When he first steps out, it's like it's like he's a young Terry Funk, but in a yellow and blue singlet mm-hmm. and the mm-hmm. other old Terry Funk accoutrement. And he looks <laughs> just sort of oblivious as he's walking around.
2: He- um, yeah go ahead yeah he reminds me kind of of like the he's he, he reminds me a lot of beef wellington who's like a mid-2000s uh probably the most i think one of the most underrated comedy wrestlers in indie wrestling because he just like he retires after a certain point he's on some chikara shows in the late like late 2000s but when he retires yeah, he's, he's
0: a canadian really? yes
2: um yeah and once he retires, he stays retired, but there's like something kind of beef Wellington ish about the way Zane Madrox carries himself. Like he's. First of all, so I always thought that Zane Madrox was an official Chikara trainee. Uh, I always sort of thought of him as like the Chikara trainee that time forgot because like he's on those first couple shows. Um, and I. Th- I think, the, I, I think the idea was, like, what I had heard was that he worked, like, a multiple personality gimmick. Oh. Um, you don't see any of that here, really? No. Um, he comes out with a hat with long hair on.
0: Luscious locks, Yeah, yes. And then he
2: gets into the ring, and he takes off the hat,
0: and it's Well, I, I believe you forgot something on the way to the ring. Well, he also gets some chips.
2: Yeah, he was hungry. Yeah, but, so, like, the other reason why I was, like even as you know like quack and bryce on commentary we're talking about how about, about all the other trainees as if they are the official trainees like zane madrox comes out and i'm like this guy isn't a chikara trainee really his last name is a reference to multiple man from marvel comics and his entrance music is a they might be giant song
0: yep <laughs> um, yeah <laughs> That does seem very quack,
2: uh, but like so, the actual context is like he's not considered a full official trainee because he was part of his training was done by another school, and then he came over. Uh, they kind of inherited
1: came, him, yeah.
2: They kind of inherited yeah. him, and honestly, maybe if he had stuck around for a long time, maybe they would have rec- retroactively like said, "Oh, well, you know, yeah, he's he's a Chikara trainee." But the vibe I get is that he kind of no shows a bunch of matches. And it's just, like, about, like, in real life, uh, maybe was as weird as his character implied. Yeah, I believe so that directly has,
1: stated, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um,
2: yeah, I don't think we're telling tales out of school. We're going by word of God on the commentary. Uh, I have, a, I have a, had a very good time watching him wrestle. I really Something, yes, something I really you started
1: like. to say that we didn't, we kind of left unfinished. He takes off that hat mm-hmm. and yeah. the hair comes with it. Yes.
0: <laughs> yes. I had completely forgotten about this. I mean, I've watched this show before. It, it's been a couple of years at this point, but I think this is the only Zane Madrick ex- experience I have. And yeah. I lost it when he took that hat off.
2: Yeah. Like I wonder, cause I wonder if the multiple personality thing was real. I kind of, it feels like a thing that, sh- it feels like a thing that would be there. I mean, the, the last name is very much a direct reference to uh, multiple.
1: Yeah.
2: To multiple man from Mar- from the X-Men comics. So like I wonder if like the idea would be like he came out with like different hats and different wigs, uh, I th- ah. maybe maybe we're getting one more Zane Madrox match on this podcast before he vanishes into the ether. Uh, so maybe we'll see what that looks like. I don't
0: know if he's. Yeah, on- I hope so. I didn't. I didn't look at the card for the next show. <laughs> well,
1: I'm curious what what would the two of you say if you didn't already know that there was this implied. Um, Multiple personality gimmick. What would you say? Zane Madrox is. What is this personality? What is his gimmick? Scatterbrained.
0: I I mean, I I don't know. Like the yeah, when he just walk into the ring and he's like, ah, you know what? I want to go get a snack from the back. Actually, yeah, Yeah. he seems
1: easily distracted, not engaged with the reality around him. Yeah, Um, (laughs) he takes. He gets a snack mid match. He gets one before the match. Uh Bryce or not Bryce, um the ref at the time, finds a harmonica on him checking yes, before the match. Yes. <laughs> is he like is he supposed to be a drifter? Yeah, I don't know.
0: Riding the rails, like what's going on with him? Yeah. I, I I want to know more. There's 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 a slight hint of Chuck Taylor
2: energy with him, I think. Uh, but like Chuck Taylor, like if Chuck Taylor were like a henchman like 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 a dumb henchman on a like kid show.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Bebop and Zane Madrox.
0: Yes. Uh <laughs> 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 oh, yeah. So this is a, a another like fun little match. Um you know, it's about 10 minutes. Uh in the end Kid Cruel submits Zane Madrox with the go- Jujagatame. Yeah. Uh, kid oh, cool and also still. at some point Yeah, and at some point, Zayn hit his head on the ceiling because it was a pretty low ceiling in that first (laughs) Wrestle Factory.
1: Even though they're using the pony ring, the shorter ring. Yeah, even
0: with the pony ring. Yeah, I guess we haven't talked about that. Uh, So for the first, oh, five, six years, something like that, Jakara had a very short ring.
1: The 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 venue is very much... uh, It was the original training facility behind a... As they say in the commentary, you'll learn all of it, but in, in the end, it's just kind of the prototypical... We're barely getting started indie facility. You know, uh, wood paneling, ceiling tiles, short ring, but we still touch the ceiling. And with a dope dragon. Oh, my over God. How yes. did
0: we not talk about the dragon? I just realized that. How yeah. have we not talked about this yet?
1: And the red spinning light eyes. Oh, my
0: God. It's incredible. And it was supposed to spit smoke but instead it was like all getting funneled to the the wrestling shop in the front of the building that they were running in. Oh my god. It it's...
1: is fantastic. It is it's as though like a church youth group had set up a haunted house.
0: <laughs> yes, it's a hell house. Yeah, yeah,
1: it's 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 wonderful.
2: Oh, speaking of the word hell um. So obviously for this podcast, we're going to be staying in line with Chikara's language and stuff like that. But one thing that we forgot to mention is that at the very start of that Mike Quackenbush promo, he does. Uh, so in the first match, another thing we forgot to mention somehow was that Mr. Zero had real coffee in his coffee mug. Yes. Which is nuts. He managed, he somehow like accidentally spills the coffee in the ring. So there's a coffee stain. The- Within like five seconds
0: yeah. of that
1: match. For the whole started.
2: show. Quack gets in the ring at the start of that promo, and he looks down, and he sees the coffee stain, and he says something along the lines of, like, what the hell is that? And even hearing White Quack and Bush like, say hell is jarring to me. It is. <laughs> uh, so I just wanted to, like, note, like, oh, yeah, like, this really was, like, this really was, like, even something as mild as as that. It's like very much like, oh yeah, we're at the very start here.
1: And it wouldn't be the last time something gets spilled in the ring as Zayn Madrox leaves plenty of crumbs <laughs> uh, in yeah. his wake.
2: A really great bit in this match also is uh, the first time Kid Cruel gets Zane Madrox in the bar. uh Like the referees ask him if he wants to tap, and Zane does not want to tap yet, but he does yell, this hurts!
1: <laughs> <laughs> I mean, why wouldn't it?
2: This was this was honestly like this wasn't the best match certainly, but like this was probably the match I was the most interested in going in because I had no idea what to expect, and it's fascinating.
1: It's just a great oddity of wrestling history.
2: Yeah, it's and it's a fun match. Like Zane Madrox, I I really liked watching him wrestle. I'd like to watch him wrestle again. I hope he's on the next uh, yeah. the the other two thousand and two show we'll be
0: covering.
1: He's someone that you totally see developing over Chikara's history the way that other Gen 1 originals did into something that's more fully formed um, yes. and clear.
0: Yeah, and I think we're also you know, not really giving Kid Cruel his due here too because like he really held up his end of the match. Oh,
2: well, he was, he's one of the best wrestlers. So once they said it was Mike Cruel, um, I was like, oh, yeah, I know him. I think he, I'd have to look at this cage match profile again because, because yeah, he... he ends up in wwe developmental and he stays there for a long time but i'm pretty sure like he shows up on some like ring of honor under cards on the way there he's like he's definitely like a name that pops up as like someone who like has it all together he he's a very good wrestler
1: yes
0: and speaking of very good wrestlers yeah we have the debut of the devious one although not so devious at this point yeah ultra mantis in the next match going one-on-one with blind rage who looks exactly like jerry only yep in this match the fans were right at the end to chant that at him
1: which i think they meant as an insult but i would think he was very complimented
0: yeah yeah i think that's what he was going for very much what he wanted uh yeah it's really cool seeing like blind rage is
2: a figure who will come back to jakara a fair few times, including a lengthy run uh during Challenge of the Immortals in twenty fifteen. Every time he comes back, I feel like he looks way different. Like he has a lot of distinct looks over the course of yeah. Chicago. Um here this is this is the one I associate with him the most, the like sort of Jerry-only, like full-on, like goth rocker uh appearance. He was the first you know, Chikara doesn't, Chikara doesn't really fully have the concept of like a big bad yet, or like a big omnipresent threat to Chikara yet. But like in the like lineage of major Chikara villains, he's the first major Chikara villain. Uh, so it's cool to see him here. Uh, and he's, there's a reason why he's like put into that role as like the top Rudo in the company. Cause he's really good.
1: He is. And he's really selling that gimmick too. coming out, going to the corner, hanging upside down, uh, you know, Alistair Black before Alistair Black kind of thing.
2: Yeah, kind of. Yeah, um, I thought it was interesting that so in commentary they suggested that they hadn't like thought of putting all like Blind Rage with uh, Hollow Wicked and Ichabod yet as the night shift, but they do all do the like hanging upside down like a bat pose. Uh, so either that's just like a really interesting coincidence, or, uh, or 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 maybe like we got unstuck in time for a second there.
1: It's possible. And when he comes out, it, you know, he's selling everything you're talking about, though. Followed by uh, Ultra Mantis. OG Ultra Mantis. Oh,
2: man.
0: Just immediately yelling, which was very <laughs> fitting. Yeah. As soon as he came through that ra- or through the curtain, yeah. just that that yell that I think we everyone who has ever seen a Chikara show that has Mantis on it, you know what yell we're talking about.
2: Yeah, I mean, he still has like, he still has that voice. Like he still, i I always sort of forget because he looks completely different from Ultramantis Black at this point. But, like, he's not quite doing the, like, vocal affectations of Ultramantis Black. But, like, you hear him yell like and, and, like, shout out names of moves and stuff like that. And it's like, oh, yeah. Right.
1: (laughs) There's a lot to see within him that you recognize later. But he comes out aesthetically very different. Yeah. He's like I would suppose it's supposed to be like a Japanese superhero in the vein of Ultraman, yeah. uh, as he comes out, cape, big bug, green eyes, uh, red and white mask, and with surf surf guitar music. Yeah, and then
0: uh, so I know the name was based on Ultraman, but I think on commentary was Quack saying that it was a different uh, anime character that the look was based on. Uh, common, Do you remember that? Common
2: writer like uh i i believe you yes yeah that's that's uh, i believe that's what quack said uh i'm not <laughs> i'm not really big on like toku stuff uh there are other people in the chikarmi who would know exactly like where to pin those references down but i i believe that's what it is um and it's sort of interesting like i think going back to the idea of the like michinoku bro comparisons like you sort of get the impression that Ultramantis at that stage of his character development was maybe meant to be like their uh, their Grand Naniwa. Uh, Grand Naniwa's deal was that he was like crab themed. So he would do, you know, all of these. He'd do like crab walks and like crab based offense, stuff like that. You know, I, eventually there becomes a, a Chikara wrestler who is a lot more deliberately that. But I think <laughs> here you see. Who it's... could you possibly be talking about? Um, but here i think you sort of get that like base concept or like that base inspiration because like the deal with him at this stage is that like all of his signature offense is like insect themed like a lot of butterfly locks leading into moves
0: yeah a lot of like double underhooks a lot of tiger drivers and yeah the butterfly motif as quack put it on commentary i think the butterfly motif sounds
2: like a great Jakara show name, actually.
0: <laughs> that does, yeah. What would the rest of that season, what would the theme of that season be, though?
2: <laughs> it would It would be, yeah, it would be like Blake then Jakara. L-
1: yeah, insect then French word, more yeah. or less. Yes.
2: Oh, right. The Moth yeah.
1: Oeuvre. <laughs> uh,
0: this match is great. Yes, it is. This, I felt like Mantis seen or looked the most well-rounded of any of the rookies on this. Because uh, Zayn Madrix, also, this was his first match on this show. Yeah. Uh, so this is the final person who's making their debut on this show. And, like, yeah, Mantis was looking really good already. Like, some of the, um, like, Lucha arm drags and stuff he was already doing. Or I guess it was more Japanese arm drags. But, uh, yeah.
1: whoo. Which, by the way, it's worth pointing out when you say Lucha. Jakar um, does not yet have the full uh, Lucha rule set that they now do. Um, they they don't
0: but also in the main event i think they just kind of gave up at some point the the main event
1: just doesn't have rules i don't think
2: (laughs) yeah it's just classic indie wrestling like yeah at some point we're not really going to care about tags anymore we're going to care about tags like for the thirst for like the first act and then we're going to start caring less in the second act then after the big hot tag nothing matters it's all yeah it's just (laughs) yeah uh, I yeah, but yeah, I just I just love this match. I loved watching this match. Um, outside of the main event, like this was my favorite like actual wrestling match on the show. Like both of these guys look great. Like I don't have yeah I don't have like that much to like say about it. Just like hey, yeah, if you're gonna watch, if you're gonna watch one match from the show, honestly, if you're gonna watch one match from the show, it's probably the main event. But like, say you've already seen the main event, like you want to watch this match. You want to see like how good blind rage was and like how good ultra is at this stage of his career.
1: Yeah. In terms of Man, like a good competitive play? match next to the main event, it's probably your best one.
2: Speaking of the main yeah. event.
0: And then I guess we should just, I think you pointed out earlier, Matthias that uh, blind rage won this match. Yeah, Cause uh, all yeah. the rookies lost. Yeah. So he won via gory bomb, which I just, I love the gory bomb. So I was happy for that. But yeah let's move on to the main event where we have the black t-shirt squad bts versus gold bond mafia gbm
1: uh both names
0: the acronyms here
1: both names vary inside yes both names
0: are nicknames that they had in the backstage area that sort of permeated into the front of house we'll say
2: yeah
1: Which also feels very indie of that time, but maybe even till today, but less so Chikara to me.
0: Well, also one of
2: these team names would probably not fly in Chikara now. Uh, One of these team names probably would get changed to something else or just abbreviated to, say, GBM. Okay. Oh, you don't, okay, I'm not going to, I'm not going to say what Gold Bond is if you don't know what gold
1: on is, no i know what it is it's a powder but i don't think it's necessarily the worst thing in the world it's a it's it's not the
2: worst thing but i think i think it would probably i i i i I feel like they would probably go with a different name
0: now at first i thought you were just talking about mafia oh (laughs) yeah no oh yeah no you
2: know no no organized no 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 references to organized crime in, in my in my uh, family-friendly pro wrestling,
0: yeah, definitely couldn't have like one-man gang or anything. Like you that. know no. what are the closers? Right, they're just two guys from New York having a good New time. New York really care about business. They
2: really care about they really care about the boss.
0: But yeah, so let's get into this main event. Uh, I was excited to see that uh, BTS got streamers when they came out. There were streamers on the first ever Takara show. Oh, yeah. I didn't
1: even catch that.
0: I think it was mostly for Quack, to be fair. It seemed like it was sort of centered on him, and it wasn't a whole lot. But yeah, definitely getting that uh, Michinoku Pro, Osaka Pro uh, vibe already, even from the crowd here. And I mean, Quack was a big deal back then. Reckless Use was a big deal. Montoya, big deal on the scene. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't know as much about like early 2000s indies outside of Chikara and like CZW, basically. Uh, And like the, I was going to MCW shows, Maryland championship wrestling. So of course I love like my ruckus and everything out there, but uh,
2: yeah. And I think all of these guys, like all, all, all of these guys are like someone at this stage. And this is very much like a, this, this is very much sort of like a dream match at that stage of, this is probably in terms of like dream matches in indie wrestling for 2002, you know? Yeah. Like, this, this is one of those, and I think especially notable that it's, like, one of those that's not on a Ring of Honor show. Uh, because, like, a lot of, like, things you were, like, thinking of, was like, oh, yeah, this is a first-time-ever match. Like, these two people from these two different, like, independent wrestling scenes across the world meeting for the first time. Like, this one happens in Jakarta, which I think is pretty cool.
0: Yeah. And, like, either Ring of Honor or IWA or something. Yeah. Had, like, those
2: big, yeah. And this is, like, so in terms of, like, time frame for the for the gold bond mafia this is about this is a few months months before punk and cabana come back to ring of honor like when they start wrestling in ring of honor regularly like they're on the full-time roster for roh by like the end of this year but like prior to that like like they they appeared in jakara before that and this is sort of as they were really building their resume before showing up there
0: in that rivalry weren't they fighting over who got to fly out yes to ring of honor which makes the the uh, reckless youth interview at the end of this match a little funny but.
2: yeah 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 the idea of their initial thing was yeah like the loser would have to keep driving from the midwest to make uh the roh dates yeah and the winner would get like a deal where they could get flown in and it's uh yeah. it's so fun like it's so weird seeing like you know, Punk and Chris Hero are kind of, like, fully formed, like... Not that they wrestle exactly the same, like, later in their careers. Hero definitely switches his style up in particular. But, like, 2002 Colt Cabana is... In terms of, like, the way he wrestles is so dramatically different from uh, where he ends up.
0: Yeah, I felt like personality-wise, he's kind of already there. Yeah, You know, but, yeah, it's just sort of before... And they kind of get into this on commentary as well. This is really before Chris Hero broke into like the the European independent scene. And this is before they had a bunch of tapes of Old World of Sport matches. Uh, so that, that British style that Colt kind of became known for later, not so much present in here. There's a little bit of it. But yeah, yeah uh, but Hero and Punk, like Punk is just already the person that you saw like basically the beginning of his wwe career from what i remember yep no he's he's he's
2: all the way he's all the way there like all three of these guys just go on to become huge right like but like punk is very much someone who just like from the moment he sh- like you see him for the first time like he just, his character changes over the years and like there are moves he won't do over the course of time or moves he starts doing but like his whole whole attitude his whole aura like he's so so good right off the right off the jump. He's like very much like even at this stage a can't miss prospect for wrestling. Uh so it's it's I know I know this is not like his only Chikara show, but this is like I think this is his only Chikara show where the match has like seen the light of day. I might
0: be wrong on that. Mm, I'm trying to think. I know I don't recall seeing him
1: again after that. And I've watched up through, you know, whatever point is Wild is. Yeah. For
0: some reason, I was thinking this was the CM Punk Chikara match, uh, or I should say the non-Chipmunk version no. of a CM Punk match in Chikara. He
2: definitely, I think he definitely has more. I think they even outright say that he has, uh, like, a singles match, like, the next year. Like,
0: Oh, I think they did mention that, yeah. with Montoya and, like, the wall. Yeah. Or something, yeah.
1: Oh, gotcha. Can I point out one of my favorite things, though? This all Please. starts off with Bond Mafia entering to Copacabana.
2: Yes. Which is
1: obviously Cabana, but I really appreciate seeing Hero and Punk come out to it as well, yeah. which really fits with the whole idea that they're all just playing the fools here.
2: <laughs> it's always like
1: because that, that, that was
2: the song I associated with Colt Cabana for when I started watching uh, indie mm-hmm. wrestling because that was his theme for years. I think I think until the WWE deal. Because uh, I think then he comes back with the theme song he's essentially had for the last like f- decade. Like boom boom. Yeah the only difference being the I don't know if you guys have heard this. The version of his theme that he used for like two months in Ring of Honor when he was a heel. Which is like him It's it's like slowed down and it's like him singing the lyrics to his entrance theme like sarcastically basically
1: <laughs>
2: it's 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 beautiful anyone listening to this should like youtube colt cabana heel theme it's very 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 funny uh but yeah no here he's coming out to cult cabana to copa cabana by barry manilow uh black t-shirt squad come out to just a hero from michinoku pro i I think that might have been a great Sasuke theme might've been like the other great Sasuke theme. It's, it's someone's theme and it, it, it's some, it's a Michinoku pro song. Um, But what they I used, usually Quack, match,
1: he used it elsewhere.
2: Yeah. And yeah. Yeah. And that was quacks like singles match theme. Their theme as like, or yeah, their theme as like a group is Kung Fu fighting by Carl Douglas. And it's a real, it's a real shame. We don't hear that as their entrance meet uh, music on the show
0: that would have been some great dueling entrance themes there copacabana and kung fu fighting oh if only this match is great <laughs> it really, really? is yeah. yeah like straight up hey this is a real good match y'all yeah um i love
2: watching don montoya wrestle i think he is sort of of the three the most obscure member of the black t-shirt squad from like a modern perspective because yeah Mm -hmm. you know reckless youth still comes up all the time as like a mount rushmore of indie wrestling figure uh he does have a couple of you know he he shows up in ring of honor for a couple of months uh, a year later as the technician com carter he comes back to Chikara in like 2005 for a couple matches and he comes back for high noon as quacks like second to the ring so like he's he's a lot more sort of present in the minds of like Chikara history. Don Montoya goes a little more unsung, and it's a shame because he is real fun to watch wrestle, and he's such a yes. he's such a unique complement to the other two in this match.
1: Yeah. He does not fit the same aesthetic mold. Right. Um, but he but when you watch what he does in the ring, it's incredible.
2: Yeah, it's very like uh, quack on commentary like you know basically says that he was like heavily inspired by like all japan heavyweight matches and you can really see it like in some of the power moves he hits but also like like the doctor
0: bomb yeah, at one point but at
2: one point and i can't remember who he was chopping but he chopped someone a bunch of times and it yes. is
0: brutal in a great it's, way um it's amazing. He's chopping Punk. I, I loved this part so much. He's just he's chopping him like across the ring. And then Punk ends up in the corner. And he keeps chopping him. And then Punk somehow ends up like crotching himself on the top rope. And then Montoya just keeps chopping him as Punk goes like halfway across the, the ring on the top rope. I loved it so much. I've never seen that before. I think this is the only Don Montoya match I've seen up until this point. So I'm very interested to uh, catch some more of him because it was so much fun. Yeah. It's it's, it's sort of a shame that he cuz like he's one of the
2: there there're they're actually I think fairly few significant Chikara figures who just like leave and don't come back in some form. I think one of the sort of magical things about Chikara to me is that in the back of my head, I'm always like anyone can come back at any time to a certain degree. Like, you know, in 2020 right now, we have Mobius as a major figure in the core storyline of Chikara. So in terms of like people who like, when they're done, they're done. It's pretty few. And Don Montoya, unfortunately, I think is one of them. Uh, because man like yeah i would have loved to have seen him even in stuff like the like nostalgia battle royales and stuff
0: like that yeah i would have loved to see him come back for like an anniversario if he could uh i don't know because they mentioned him getting surgery at some point there so i don't know if that had something to do with why he didn't come around as much anymore yeah hard to say but yeah uh, what else do you want to talk about from this main event like, it was so much fun uh, it's the
1: first time that we ever see a uh, full six-man submission
0: yes yes the submission train
2: right that's that that is also in terms of kernels of stuff that just become uniquely jakara that and of course the fact that the main event of the first show is a trio's match is yes like, the like those are so so ingrained into the dna of uh what makes your Chakara that yeah like when that happened i really like perked up and like took notice i was like oh yeah no like this happened we've got a lot of iterations of this bit uh Don Montoya uh, pantsing CM Punk, <laughs> yeah, <Yes. laughs> Very. and then hitting him with a DDT. Uh, yeah, and then Punk, uh, like drop, given doing a drop toe hold with the with the basketball shorts still around his feet. Yes.
0: <laughs> also, Montoya hit a tope suicida at some point. Yep. <laughs> like I don't know if we're putting this over enough. He's a big dude.
1: Yes. Yeah. Quite big the fans who are less familiar with them chant rikishi even
2: uh i believe those were yeah like i think i think the context for that was like there were like kids from like an orphanage or something like that yeah. who just really liked rikishi um and it was it was 2002 so this was still you know i guess it was a year after i did it for the rock i did it for the people uh but rikishi is still very much like you know his name rings out
0: mm-hmm. So these these kids really hated the rock then is what you're saying. Yeah.
1: Yeah. But the important thing being Don Montoya reminds them of Rikishi.
2: Yes. There's not like this is just really really a good match. Um every anyone who hasn't seen this match like I think it's just a profoundly important match. Uh it's it's you know, it's on the best of 2002 that I'd seen years and years ago for a reason. It's such a wonderful match to end the first Jakara show with it's
0: uh very not to foreshadow too much but there's a lot of Mike Quackenbush Chris Hero in this match right cool.
2: yeah and that's you know yeah definitely uh, I do think it's also notable yeah that like a big part of this match is two guys who would go to form like the core conflict of you know when what Chikara fans tend to consider, like, not that there wasn't lore before this show, but, like, in terms of, like, where the big overarching storyline that, like, takes various different forms over the course of, like, a decade. Like, it starts with Chris Hero versus Mike Quackenbush and, like, that conflict between them. So it is kind of wild, like, seeing them wrestle each other as much as they do in this match.
1: It's also after the match is the first time we get a Chikara chant.
2: Yes! I loved that i didn't notice that when was that um night? it was during the promo i believe Ah, uh, gotcha gotcha or 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 it was yeah it was something like that and yeah yeah the crowd this crowd like who have no idea what to expect like it's you know Diaz, it's it's a mix of you know people who just you know presumably go to a ton of indies like a famous ecw fan like some kids like yeah they're they're blown away by that match and uh it's it's a it's a really good feeling it's a really good feeling hearing the crowd chant that um I guess we can talk about the promo now like the show closing promo yeah yeah uh it's very it's very indie wrestling it's oh it''s, yes. it's the most yes. it's the most like like it is it, it's, it's a perfectly enjoyable promo but it's like so dramatically different because it really is like this is what you hear at the end of like and of like a standard like indie wrestling show where it's just about like you know, what a great match we had! Let's you know shake hands and acknowledge how that we had this great match. You know, we you know in this indie wrestling business, you know we travel from town to town for not a lot of money. Uh, it's 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 like a feel good moment, but it's definitely like I definitely
1: that trope of all about respect.
2: Yes, and I think Dan and I have probably. I don't know about you, Josh, but, like, I think we've probably both seen versions of that promo at, like, local indies a fair few times.
0: Yeah, I was going to say, if you've ever been to an indie show that's main evented by, like, a more experienced person facing a less experienced person, then you have seen this promo (laughs) where the more experienced person wins and then is, like, putting over the... The less experienced one is like, "Oh, this is the the next big star." But the weird thing is, in this case, Reckless was pretty much right. He called uh, Chris Hero, Colt Cabana, and CM Punk the new shining stars of the independence. And I'm like, mm, yeah, yeah, all right, <laughs> that that yeah, that fits. <laughs> this is the time that that promo actually is like real. Yeah. That we and we can say that with you know the." power of hindsight now yeah like history history proves it right
2: i also i i love that punk doesn't get in immediately like punk plays like what the stakes of those match match like what it was and like that he was the primary agitator like he 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 lets that sort of like simmer for a little bit before he goes in which i think is yeah i think yeah, is another like sign player. that yeah i know like as a character in wrestling he
0: was just all the way there he knew what he was doing with himself you know he knew how to carry himself already at that you know young part of his career or early part of his career i guess yeah and then one other thing i wanted to point out about that promo uh, i just find it hilarious whenever like bosses are like oh you know you come out here for no pay because reckless is on the mic and he's like yeah these people come out here for like little to no pay (laughs) i'm like well Dude, you were one of the bosses. Like, you could pay them more <laughs> if they had the like. Who, who knows? <laughs> oh yeah, no, I'm sure they could not have right. paid them more. But like, uh, yeah, don't you
1: know? You know so they were just said... getting everything on favors at that point. I think. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe some uh, some cheap nostalgia
0: items from the shop up front or something. Yeah.
2: Yeah. You know, we're we're, we're paying you in like magazines with Austin Idol on the cover. <laughs>
0: yes all right so um, yeah i think it does uh so this was really fun show i really enjoyed watching it uh for multiple reasons you know you have the one thing i love about jakara is watching people evolve over time and this is sort of the beginning of it all yeah you know i as someone who just loves jakara like i don't really watch that much other wrestling i think uh i, wa- I watch a decent amount i know josh you're pretty much just jakara at this point right yeah you know?
1: i it, just to give it a perspective on why that is like I just find Chikara so as we were talking about earlier pure um, that it's a very intentionally inclusive atmosphere um, and it also just appeals to a lot of my over-the-top sensibilities but yeah. I, I, this this is what excites me and I'm I to say going forward I'm really excited to see how like mantis, and the uh the two guys in the night shift how they develop mm. over time to see them start here
0: and also zane madrax just and zane madrax. Can't forget him
1: yes <laughs>
2: yeah I, I i think we could say we're going to see a lot of zane Madrox over the coming years um, oh,
0: don't tempt don't tease me <laughs> like that
2: <laughs> um but yeah and and you know i think it's it's I'm excited to see the way the presentation evolves, the way the crowd changes, you know, yes. there, there are things you hear on the show. And unfortunately, like if I had to make one criticism of the production on the Renaissance Dawns, is that there are multiple times where either a fan in the audience or a uh, kid cruel says something that would not fly. Now would probably get you thrown out, uh, and oh, commentary, yeah. And commentary, yeah, yeah, yeah. commentary on multiple times, unfortunately, starts literally right after <laughs> right after they say <laughs> that, you, that you don't want to hear someone say on a Chikara show. Uh, so like, but 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 it's the very start. That's the very start. And it's people. It, it's a crowd that's very much used to, you know, a, a non a non family friendly sort of independent wrestling show environment. And to get to there, to the various stages of uh, the audience makeup of who's going to Chikara shows, who considers themselves to be a part of the Chikarmi, I think it's it's gonna be really, really interesting to watch the way the like performer spectator relationship uh, changes over the course of these shows.
1: Yes.
0: Yeah, and we would love it if you all joined us on this journey where we go through as much of Chikara as, you know, is available anyway. Uh,
1: yeah, walk along and, with us. Check out uh, Renaissance Dawn and check out the next show before we talk about it. Yeah, I think it's, what, Live
0: from the Factory 2? Yeah, Volume 2. Yeah, Um. so anything that you guys want to say in wrapping up? I think uh, we have to, I think we have to, like, plug our
2: socials. Um. Oh, yeah. Yeah, we don't have... We have we don't have anything like uh, official yet. This is sort of a sort of a pilot. A pilot we're we'll we're going to see if the network picks us up. Uh, but yeah, uh, if you want to follow me, I am at at the Desert Pope on Twitter.
1: I am at Joshua, so J-O-S-H-O-O-W-U-H. and I am
0: at Human Garbage Dan. Unfortunately. <laughs> I get that's, so embarrassed whenever I say I that. Love, handle. I love
2: that that's where we ended up with, too. Like, my my Twitter handle is peculiar and it's just an in-joke, but I do I do love that we,
0: <laughs> like, am the big finish. just human garbage. I'm, I'm human I, garbage. I'm sorry. You
1: chose <laughs> it. You chose that one. You
0: know. I did, and I've chosen not to change it in the last, like, two years. So okay. i stuck with it at this and point. And let's say, you know,
2: probably probably at chicography on twitter I, I i can't imagine that's been taken yet i haven't i haven't tested that theory but Go register
1: that now but but it's it, it, it on it uh, yeah <laughs> i think one of the thing we should say is if this goes out unedited i don't know that's dan's job uh thank you to listening uh to all of this um and once we have ways you can talk to us tell us about Uh, what you want to hear, what you enjoy, um, how annoying my voice is, or whatever it is you want to say.
0: Yeah, I'm going to set up like an email or something probably. So we'll have that in the show description, assuming that there is a show description. I don't know how this works.
1: We'll figure it out if we go. And thanks for bearing with us.
0: And yeah, thanks everybody. Bye. I also want to thank Triple Bunk Bedford letting us use their song. It feels good, whatever, for the intro to this. Uh, Check them out on Instagram, check them out on YouTube, check out their band camp. And then, yeah, our email address is chikographypodcast at gmail.com. The Twitter handle, at chikography, that is at C-H-I-C-A-G-R-A-P-H-Y. Chikography. Discography, but with Chikara. I, I couldn't pronounce it, like, the first 20 times I tried. Uh, but, yeah, anyway, bye for real this time. Bye.